you. Great. Thanks very much, Emil. I think I'll stand up just because I think my voice will project a bit better. Thanks very much for the invitation, Emil. And it's nice to see Emil's chosen this sort of small, containable niche topic for the launch. Um, so nice to get one's teeth into this into this subject. Um, and I want to be a bit provocative, deliberately provocative in my comments and suggest that truth is not central to democracy and that it doesn't and shouldn't play a key role in evaluating the authority or credibility of political claims or indeed in voters' decisions um, uh, in terms of which uh, a political party or leader to support. Um, so I want to suggest that truth isn't and shouldn't be a guiding sort of evaluative tool um, uh, within politics. Honesty, integrity, competence, yes, but truth not. I don't think it really centrally fits or belongs within the sphere of politics. And I guess the starting point for this is thinking about the different meaning or role of truth within different spheres. So when we think about truth, we normally think about science, scientific truth. Um, and then within, within science, um, uh, obviously there are, there are various kind of widely accepted procedures for validating truth claims, for establishing the authority of particular claims or uh, falsifying uh, erroneous claims. And although, to be sure, we're sceptical often about the objectivity or sort of idea of perennial truths in science, and society is increasingly reflexive and sceptical about scientific truth, nonetheless, I think it's fair to say uh, that there is a kind of general understanding that based on certain accepted procedures and methodologies, we can establish fairly robust um, claims which can um, uh, form the basis for sort of facts or, or evidence. Um, and I, one, one way of thinking about the, the meaning of truth in science is perhaps to, to distinguish it between that which is not true. And that which is not true would be that which has been falsified or not verified. Um, so it would be just sort of truth-falsehood dichotomy. Now I want to distinguish that from the idea of truth, first of all in the media and then in politics. The media is obviously very relevant to this discussion. I'm no expert on the media, but I'm, if you accept my sort of <laughs> uh, uh, lay observations on media. So um, in the media, of course, there's a notion of truth in the form of expose, uh, investigative journalism, uh, revealing transgressions of those in positions of power and so on, and that's quite crucial to um, uh, many media outlets. Um, but I think if we think about... Um, the notion of um, the sort of value of truth within journalism is probably related to a procedure around corroboration of sources and there are certain, as with science, but differently of course, there are certain methods or procedures for establishing what constitute authoritative claims for journalists um, and there are various journalistic codes and, and ethos which would govern that. And so in journalism, again, if we're thinking about this dichotomy of, of sort of opposites, we might contrast truthful claims with inaccuracy or sloppy journalism or perhaps bias uh, within journalism. Um, uh, so it's a slightly dis distinct role or notion of truth within that sphere. And then we come to politics. What's the role or meaning of, of truth within politics? Uh, well, think about the 350 million pounds. I think that has to come <laughs> into the discussion at some point. Um, I think what outrages us about that claim coming from a politician is in a sense a betrayal, a betrayal of trust, a betrayal of, of those who are meant to represent us, that we hold to account because they're in positions of authority and we bespoke, bestow trust on them uh, to represent uh, our interests, to act on our behalf. 
Um, and in a sense, it's a sort of betrayal of integrity or, or, or a sort of understanding of a democratic relationship between those in power um, and those whom they represent. And there's a much more emotionally charged, emotionally laden uh, feature of a sort of failure um, to, to, or, or a kind of breakdown of truth in politics. Um, and I think we rapidly, um, in a sense, uh, slip or move from talking about inaccurate or incorrect or false truth claims in politics uh, to thinking about the motivations and the sort of personality and character and interests of those uh, who are, let's say, um, uh, perpetrating falsehoods. Um, so I think underlying this distinction and, and you know, trying to think, trying to get to the heart of what's different about uh, falsehood or non-truth in politics is in part a set of expectations about the sort of the motivational structure within each of those three spheres. Now in science, I think... I don't want to kind of idealise science, um, but I think we have a kind of sense that, uh, in a sense, the sort of the ethos of the field and the motivational structures of those engaged in science are kind of quite well aligned with um, the personal interest of, of scientists. So um, scientists uh, are concerned with, to borrow a ref, <laughs> ref criteria, I mean, we want to produce work which is original, significant, rigorous, um, and I think that's, that's broadly true. That is the route, that is the path to esteem is, and success in, 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 in the scientific uh, field or in the sort of career track within science. Um, so in that sense, I think there's a sort of inbuilt trust of the, of the motivational structures of those in the field of science and that they will produce this truth and that they have in, every interest in producing this truth. And where they deviate from that motivational structure, in a sense, they might have been sort of corrupted or um, uh, manipulated or, or sort of, in a sense, politics is intruded or other sorts of interests which are not to do with science. In journalism, I think motivational structures are a bit more mixed, but essentially uh, the media is about newsworthiness. It's about selecting stories based on whether they may meet the criteria of newsworthiness, whether they will attract an audience and readers and <coughs> outlets have different profiles in terms of what kind of readers they want to attract and how they would go about that. Um, now, of course, journalists might have a motivation to expand uh, their audience or their newsworthiness at the expense of truth. Um, that's absolutely true, but in a sense that's a kind of, again, a sloppiness or a slippage uh, which somehow isn't kind of um, part of our inherent understanding of the motivation of journalists. And, and again, maybe we can discuss this afterwards, but my sense is that it's, it's rather different in politics. That in politics we have this quite radical disjuncture between, on the one hand, um, what we think should be the role and the motivation of politicians, which is about public interest, however we understand that which is some sort of altruistic motive of, of um, um, uh, pursuing kind of collective um, social goals. And on the other hand, what we actually believe to be their true motivations, which are much more to do with uh, expanding, maximizing personal power, uh, or the power <coughs> of their political party, or is about um, pursuing vested interests, lining their pockets, and so on. And actually, there's a, quite a bit of research in political science which suggests um, that over the years we have become increasingly sceptical about political motivation. We don't trust politicians, uh, we don't trust their motivations. Um, so I think this kind of discrepancy between, in a sense, the bases for bestowing trust, um, uh, which is also related to um, how truth claims are established and understood in each of these three spheres, I think this leads us to a second set of questions, which is about how do we try to establish trust through validating truth claims in politics. And here I think it gets a little bit messy. 
So, I mean, there are various mechanisms of accountability in politics which are designed to kind of shore up the relationship between those in power and those uh, who are uh, bestowing authority or responsibility on them to act on their behalf. Um, so accountability can be understood as an expectation uh, that political leaders will explain and justify their conduct um, in different ways. And obviously inbuilt into democratic systems are various institutional mechanisms for trying to assure that these forms of accountability work, whether it's separation of powers, uh, whether it's multi-party systems um, and so on. We also have media scrutiny of political claims uh, to try to uh, ensure this form of accountability. But increasingly, we've also seen attempts to introduce perhaps models from science, um, which are about establishing the veracity of truth claims in politics through tools like auditing, performance measurement, the use of statistics, and so on. And, and these types of performance measurement, I think, are trying to address, in a sense, this gap or this sense of need to establish in a more precise and rigorous way whether political claims are accurate, are correct, are, are truthful, um, and whether claims about the performance of governments uh, is um, accurate and, and truthful and correct, and however, uh, and so on. And my own research has looked um, at the role of targets and performance measurement more generally in public <coughs> policy and looked at how um, political leaders often um, self-impose these kinds of mechanisms of accountability uh, in an attempt to produce authoritative truth claims about their performance. Um, so, I mean, the Blair government was the most obvious example of this. Um, uh, uh, under his administration, the government rolled out a whole panoply of performance indicators and targets uh, to try to signal that the government was improving performance of public services and so on. Um, and allowing voters access to detailed data and information about government performance in the hope of establishing trust and uh, shoring up this accountability relationship between publics and government. But there are some quite profound problems with attempts to rely on these types of statistical approaches, this type of statistical data, to shore up relations of trust. And the experience of the Labour government and to some extent the Conservative government, which also has, has, has used targets, certainly in my area, immigration policy, think of the net migration target as a particularly famous example. The problem is that for a start, they often play, these targets often play quite a marginal role in political debate, so they're often treated with scepticism and disdain. Uh, by the audiences they're meant to target. People don't really trust government targets, even where they are met, they're not given much airtime, they're not really covered in the media. Occasionally one gets selected uh, uh, within political debate or within media coverage and sort of scandalized as an example of government transgression, but for the most part they don't really play a central role in that accountability relationship. And having studied media coverage of a range of targets on immigration, it became very clear through my own research that what was far more relevant and important in underpinning appraisals of government performance were much more impressionistic cues. So the personality of the, the, the politician, um, whether they were perceived um, to have in integrity and authenticity, whether, whether they were kind of um, had, had the right kind of motivational structure, back to the motivation issue. Um, uh, and general reputation and, and assumed values of the political party uh, were very important and much more impressionistic and symbolic cues about the government's intention 
and values, and that actually precise and rigorous data about performance are, are pretty marginal um, in political debate. And I think this isn't just, a, you know, in a sense, an indication of the ignorance or um, stupidity of voters. I think it's actually quite astute. Um, because performance measurement, for a start, tends to be abstract. Uh, it doesn't cover every, certainly doesn't cover every aspect of political conduct that we would want to know about. Um, so it's quite patchy in its coverage. Um, and it doesn't, in a sense, um, cover the complexity of different situations in which we need our politicians to represent our interests. Think about negotiations on Brexit in Brussels. We couldn't possibly rely on that kind of data to monitor the conduct of our politicians and to check on whether they were truly representing our interests. Um, so actually, it's quite astute to rely on um, cues related to kind of familiarity with particular motivational structures or personality types. Um, or um, uh, familiarity with certain social types, uh, whether the business, I mean, the business person has become, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, in a sense, a popular or legitimate kind of um, uh, figure within, within, within politics, for example, in some contexts. Uh, but, the, the, but falling back on those kind of impressionistic cues, those proxies, actually might be a much more rational and astute way of trying to make evaluations about political conduct than uh, resorting to much more precise mechanisms um, of performance measurement um, and so on. Um, so I guess just to conclude, I think my main argument is that politics doesn't really have particularly precise or, or so well-targeted mechanisms in place to um, assess the validity of truth claims. It's got various types of mechanisms for keeping uh, check on abuse of power, and it's got various mechanisms for trying to influence the incentive structure of our political leaders through expectations about being held to account. Um, but, in, but in essence, um, these, these sorts of techniques, and especially the more sort of statistical and, and science-based techniques, um, actually have very limited traction in grounding trust. Um, uh, publics are very suspicious of government-created data, um, as I've suggested. Um, and I think we also see this, in a sense, a disjoint between, on the one hand, a ritualistic respect for data and performance measurement and so on, but on the other hand, in practice, in informal communication um, and judgments and deliberations, uh, we see a, a kind of resort of falling back on much more impressionistic, uh, symbolic um, cues. So I think this suggests we have this rather odd decoupling of what we think should ground truth um, in politics and the indicators and cues that actually do underpin our political decisions about which leaders to support and how to appraise performance. So we rely much more on these impressionistic cues um, about personality or social type uh, to ground trust. So because of these observations, I would therefore conclude uh, that truth does not play the central role in politics that, that might be assumed. Thank you very much. <laughs>